0: Welcome back guys, thanks so much for joining us. I am here with Michael Bentley. Michael Bentley is the CEO of Sierra Sill, uh Health. It, from my understanding, it's a joint relief and inflammation uh, kind of vitamin or yeah. supplement, yeah, or Matthew, could you explain we, a bit more? So first of all, hello to anyone who's listening. And uh, yeah,
1: so we're, uh, we're a natural health product company we have a lot of clinical research, but our passion and our sort of why we exist to help, is to help people with mild to moderate chronic pain recover joy and ability. And what we mean by that is pain is an inhibitor for most people. Uh, it limits their ability to enjoy their relationships or getting out in activities, to go for a walk in the park, play their sports or what have you. And so the use of Sierra Cell, which is a completely natural mineral complex, We actually have clinical evidence that supports that it helps both uh, joints and muscles move better and uh, increases peak power, for example. So if you've got any listeners who are active on a sports team, we actually have a physician who said every Canadian Olympian should be using our product because of its benefits (laughs) for sport performance. And maybe uh, some of your listeners have grandparents that have the really stiff fingers. It's gonna make a big difference for them too. So range of applications and that's
0: really our joy is to hear back from customers. I saw on the website that it also could help pets with, with joint pain. How, how exactly does that work and how does, how does this formula relieve pain? How, how does that so work? So
1: we, we have products specifically for, for dogs and we're working with a partner in the equestrian community uh, for, for horses, uh, but we know from mechanism of action research in people and clinical studies in people that our minerals actually calm inflammation at a gene expression level. They reduce cartilage breakdown. Uh, they increase peak power uh, as well as pulling heavy metals out of the body. So there's a range of mechanisms actions that are kind of exciting um, and what's what I find very satisfying is first of all we back up what we say with clinical research which not all supplement companies do, many do, but not all of them mm-hmm. and we have a significance of efficacy, uh, a significance of results that seems to be unmatched. So even people who are really sore, their muscles are really sore, their joints are really sore, usually have results within a few days to a couple of weeks with our products. And that's, we back that up with a satisfaction guarantee. If someone That's unqualified. So let's say you picked up a bottle for your, for your mom and she gets it like us I'm not interested. You contact us, we give you your money back unqualified we would hope she would try it but we have an unqualified uh, satisfaction guarantee because my attitude
0: is we can treat people like we want to be treated so right how exactly did you get to where you are now i know there's probably this big backstory but could you just summarize on how you got to this position and why did you decide to go into health so it was kind of not something i was expecting to
1: do so the first part of my career was in the forest industry I was working for a company that my great-uncle great and grandfather started in 1938, and I had in my head that I would be there for my whole career. Uh, but I ended up uh, uh, being an admissions mistake at Stanford, which was very fortunate, uh, and getting accepted into a program that they had for older executives. Older meaning typically 40, but I was in my young 30s at the time. And one of the courses was personal creativity and business, which is a course that I didn't really want to take, but I thought it would be good for me. So I put it on my list of options thinking, Mm -hmm. "Eh, it'll all get filled up before, like I made it kind of a third round draft pick, as it were, thinking that it would get filled up by most people's first and second round draft picks. You know, my first and second round draft picks were sort of the the more traditional business school courses like operations and strategy, but I ended up getting in and... It was a transformative course and it really made me think about uh, who I am and what I wanted and, uh, and I decided about a few things about for myself what was important to me in my work and ended up resigning two years later when I went back to the company from the company that my grandfather and great-uncle had started um, and moving out on my own uh, doing some consulting for different companies and then I was asked to help what would become Sierra Cell. Um, and it was I was really personally blown away when I tried the minerals and they had tangible results for me within two days in terms of easing sore knees from running. so um, so got pretty passionate about it and I've kind of aligned some of my volunteer interests with that. so I'm now on the board of the Canadian Health and Fitness Institute uh, with a goal to help Canadians uh, um, to help Canada be the fittest country in the world by 2030, it's an ambitious goal. We've got a long
0: ways to go, but uh, and we're still trying to figure out how we get there. So, I see you mentioned you mentioned running. Um, yes. What what kind of running did you do, and why do you think you started having those knee pains? So
1: that's part? a kind of a uh, I run just to try and stay in shape, um, and I think it's important that. Um, people look after their fitness because there's really there's a couple there's a couple reasons for that. One of which is it just helps you like if we can't control our total health, we can't. You know, some people get cancer, some people you know it's tragic. Okay. tragedy tragedy yeah. happens. You know the expression shit happens. Yeah, but we can we can improve our chances of of being able to enjoy our beautiful setting here. In the Pacific, in the in BC that we have here, the beautiful scenery we have, getting out to enjoy it, participating in activity with, with other people when we're healthy, it just that's a fact. Uh, you can you know, you're not going to climb a gross mountain if you don't have any fitness. So I think being reasonably healthy helps us enjoy relationships in nature better. It also helps us to stay independent longer in life. There's another benefit too. Most of us are fortunate to have someone who actually cares for us, despite who we are. And when we're healthy, they can worry about us less. And so, for example, some people may relate that with they see parents or grandparents. If one of the couples is, you know, if the father and the mother isn't particularly healthy, the other's worried about them. And right. I saw that with my mom. My dad wasn't particularly healthy in his late 80s and into his. Uh, and and my mom, her anxiety went up because she was worried for him. Mm-hmm. When he passed away at ninety one, it was almost like it was a relief for her. Not she obviously missed him, but there's one less thing to worry about. She didn't have to worry about his health, um, which she was doing because that's what happens when you've been married for over sixty years. You yeah you have that bond. So. Um, I think it's important to try and be healthy, to stay healthy, to try and uh, have a reasonable level of fitness, to be mindful of what you're putting into your body. Um, uh, I don't know if any of your listeners are Peloton users, but one of the people I sometimes ride with on my non-Peloton bike, just using the app, is Dennis Morton. And he talks about your body being an instrument and how do you want to play your instrument. Oh, I like that knowledge. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, just in, investing in in your body through good, healthy food and uh, exercise. You don't have to be an elite athlete, uh, but just being able to get up off the floor without help, you know, being prepared for that, because as you get older, that's something that's important for your
0: independence. Now, some of your formulas you guys had to patent, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Our minerals are patented uh, based on it being a very novel product. minerals for joint health and based on the clinical research they actually make a difference in people's lives and so we've got a couple of patents as a nutritional supplement for osteoarthritis what was the
0: process of getting these minerals patented
1: basically you go through through a lawyer people can do it if they they i'm sure some if some of your listeners have have inventions that they want to try and patent there's different types of patents uh, uh but you can easily talk to probably Ask Google about it uh, or if, or go through. There are a number of people who specialize as patent lawyers. Mm. And you have to decide whether, if it is really unique, whether you want it patented, because once you've patented it, theoretically it can be copied off the patent information. In our case, the minerals uh, were formed by geological events that really can't be recreated by a person. So there's no risk to
0: the disclosure on that in the patents. So someone even if you still have the patent, it's not expired, somebody can replicate, well I know in this case you said they can't be replicated, right. but if you have the patent then it can be replicated?
1: Well you'll you'll see if you're uh, in the news all the time, particularly in the tech industry patents, you know, company has a patent, then Apple comes along or somebody else comes along and you know makes a little change to, it to try and use oh, okay. the technology okay. and it ends up, in, so Once you've patented something, it becomes a matter of public record.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: So if you have a secret sauce, like we'll just say the white spot triple O sauce, if you patent it, then it's public knowledge. The important thing if somebody does want to patent something is to patent it early uh, in the process. Because once it's been around for a little bit of time, it
0: may not be patentable. I see. I see. Um you've graduated from one of the best business schools, Stanford School of Business. How was the experience there at such a world renowned university? and how was, how was how was the business program? How did you like it? It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. But let me just step
1: back. why I wanted to go to Stanford as opposed to another elite school. I looked at the prospectus, for a number of the schools. And I really like in Stanford they had an, a sample of a typical day of a graduate student or a typical week time doing charitable work in the community. They were the only university whose, whose brochures su- were suggestive of, of that. And there was also a sense that I had and I discovered when I went there, there's a, it's a very collaborative atmosphere where some schools are very competitive. And while I enjoy competing in sports and things like that, um, what they want to cultivate, and for example, your marks are confidential. You either pass mm-hmm. or you don't pass within the business school at Stanford. Uh, and I don't know if that's the case for the other engineering school, other schools or undergraduate, but um, it's just a really interesting way to, to approach it. And within my class, which was targeted for older students, as we mentioned earlier, um, the it was it was really collaborative so there you know there were there's an accountants in the group and they would do some when we had our mandatory accounting class they would provide some mentorship to people who weren't who weren't getting it as it were oh, uh, same within the human resources or in the marketing or so forth so we had people with already embedded expertise in the course who would help other students out and it was really it was a delightful atmosphere that way um and um, it's also kind of cool when you have professors who kind of wrote the book on the subject. So, for example, an accounting professor who literally wrote the textbook that most of the schools use, uh, an yeah. economics professor who was considered one of the 25 most influential Americans at the time, and oh, to be wow. able to talk to like talk to Paul Romer on a first-name basis. Uh, the number of, of, of elite speakers who came through the campus. Uh, whether they were politicians, whether they're business leaders or community leaders, uh, was really a
0: it was a fantastic experience. What, who was the most well known person that you think came to the campus this week? Either that politician, businessman. Oh, there'd be. Um, t- it would be like
1: today. You'd have people like Elon Musk would drop by, or um, oh, wow. you know. So we had, um, you know, the founder of Oracle actually or Oracle. Oracle their uh, technology company um, okay. one of the largest in the world uh, wow. their their CEO actually helped teach a class on campus oh, wow. um, you'd have like Procter and Gram- gamble one of the biggest consumer products companies in the world you know have one, ha- come gives gives a lecture and then you can you know go out for dinner with them um, wow. um, Kim Campbell who was the first female prime minister of Can. Of Canada uh, came to campus, um, wow. and uh, um, and some of my classmates were absolutely blown away by um, by just how smart, and knowledgeable she was. For uh, so, um, you just it's that kind of atmosphere. They have probably no more Nobel Prize winners at Stanford than there are in Canada. It, it's staggering. Those like are I was down there for a reunion weekend uh, yeah. last year, and there's a sign like, Welcome back, Nobel Prize winners. Plural. <laughs> like, there's enough of them yeah. that they don't need to be mentioned by name, but there's a whole group, of, like, there's many of them. Uh, and yet, it's not that big a university. So, uh, but one of the, one, like, that said, if people are looking at universities, um, Malcolm Gladwell's done some good research on this, who lives in New York but is from Toronto. Um, don't worry about the name of the university as much because okay. most universities, you're going to get a great education based on what you put into it, not just based on the institution. And so if someone's thinking about a university or what university they should go to, I encourage like do some criteria what do you want a student body that is really like, what do you want from the student body? What do you want from the faculty? What do you want from the environment and so forth? It's, it's so there and there are a lot of universities do it well, and some universities do it badly. I think some universities actually stifle um, independent thinking. They're there to encourage it, but sometimes, uh, you get groupthink, and if you have contrary views to the groupthink, it's not a safe place. Mm-hmm. I think that's tragic, and I would encourage students to look at universities where diverse views— um, I'm not saying the most radical views and things like that, but the uh, different views can be debated with curiosity rather than
0: with judgment. Mm-hmm. I— but I feel like a name of a university would later in a career would definitely influence the person who is um, taking you for that position over like another a- university. Yes,
1: world. absolutely. That there is that to it. Uh, but drawing back on Malcolm Gladwell, um, he he's done research that show or there's research that shows that if you're the top twenty-five percent of we'll say of a class of a of a B level university mm-hmm. in terms of career earnings and so forth will do better than somebody who is in the bottom 50% of a class A university. Okay. Uh, it's you know, it's maybe when you think about the for example the NHL, you know, going to the AHL to see it in your game for a couple of years isn't such a bad thing as it were. Because sometimes those players go on to really good careers in the NHL. It's not too many players who make the jump directly from junior hockey directly into the NHL. Mm -hmm. Maybe not a good analogy, but just...
0: Yeah. How difficult would it be for a college student to sell a natural health product? What would be some barriers that they might face that you guys also have faced? If they were to sell a natural
1: health product? Well... Let's say, and this isn't maybe goes back a few years, but let's say you were Tiger Woods when he was at Stanford. He was already famous. Mm-hmm. It'd be easier for him to sell something. Um, most most marketplaces are very very crowded, which means it's really hard to get consumer attention. And so, expectations shouldn't be too high. I mean, if you're you need to hustle. Bottom line, you need to hustle. You need to put in the hours, you need to hustle. And uh, I would say also to make sure that you've got integrity behind your product. Um, that's to me number one, period. Unless you have integrity behind the product, don't try and sell it. Um, only try and sell it to those people who would truly benefit from it. Mm-hmm. And like, don't make a sale for the, make, the sake of making a sale. Uh, my attitude, for example, with SierraCell is if you're not sore, your joints are fine, your muscles are fine, um, and somebody said, well, should I buy it for preventative use? I went, no. If you got a spare dollar a day, give it to your favorite charity. Once you are sore, I don't know of a better product, but I don't
0: try and sell to people for preventative use. How did you, what was the main uh, market push for you guys? How did you brand Sierra Sill and why has it become so successful?
1: Well, I would say we're still not successful because we're a long ways to go to our mission to help a million people, we're not even close to that yet, so we have a lot of, we have a lot of ground to make up to become successful in that regard. We are successful with the current customers we have, making a difference in their lives. and. Um, We found it because there was a mission. There was a mission that these minerals can do good, and if we could serve enough people, then we would eventually do well. And yeah, I do want to make some money. I want I've for myself, and also it'd be really nice to be able to support charities that I like. Um, It's nice to share. It's nice to be able to share. So, but to share, you need to have something
0: to be able to share. Mm-hmm. So. We mentioned patents. When how often do patents expire? And when they do expire, is it possible for other companies to copy those patents and start selling their own things? Because that's so far because it's expired. It's not patented yeah. at that. Point.
1: Patents are typically twenty five years. Okay, 25 uh, they're years. different. Sometimes they're shorter. Um, I'm not a patent expert, but when a patent expires. If the know-how is public, technically other companies can make the same product. That's where you get the generic drugs from. So a drug comes off a patent, now you get the generic drugs available uh, that are typically sold at a lower price than the original product. In our case, our minerals can't be recreated in the lab, so the patents are kind of academic. You can't make this anyway unless you can access our mineral Let me deposits.
0: I see. Let me see. So how, how, how are they made if they're not made in the lab?
1: So it was a natural event. Uh, the geologists tell us it was uh, probably eight to ten million years ago, with a uh, geothermal alteration of volcanic activity, um, that created these this mineral suite. And most of the minerals in the Sierra actually pass through the body, but
0: work at a gene expression level to reduce the infl- calm the inflammation and so forth. Mm-hmm. I was listening to one of the Q and A's that you guys did a few years back and there was a person who asked a question about aluminum and I just wanted to touch upon that um, a lot of the products that we use on our day-to-day basis have aluminum some people are skeptical about it about the levels of how much aluminum could be in a product and you mentioned that there is aluminum in the formulas that you guys make but you also mentioned that it's so little that it doesn't affect um, much, it doesn't do much harm to a person. Yeah.
1: So a couple of things to keep in mind. First of all, uh, with regards to the issue of heavy metals, um, there are lots of misconceptions. But a key thing that that uh, people should be aware of. The first question is how much is actually bioavailable to my body. How much is actually available to be absorbed? That's the only thing that matters. Um, and then what are safe, safe levels within that? So, for example, with I'll just use arsenic for example. Um, there are different forms of arsenic as well. There's, there's um, organic and inorganic, and even within the inorganic, there's different forms of it, and different forms of it have different levels of so-called toxicity. And we have lots of foods that are excellent sources of arsenic. Lots of our seafood, great source of arsenic. Rice is a really good source of arsenic. Brown rice, even better than white rice. But they're all at levels that are safe. And so, um, you know, you often see in the news, well, this product contains some lead. Well, anything grown in the soil is going to have some lead in it. Uh, Water that comes from underground sources is going to have some lead in it. Question is, is it safe? And most of our regulations are built on an abundance of caution which means that if the say the, the safe level is um, I know we don't we're we're being recorded not not video but imagine the safe level being uh, we'll say uh, 100 parts per million the regulations will often be based on 10 parts per million to have a 10 fold safety factor to what is medically known as safe and mm. so um, our product pulls heavy metals out of the body very, very well, but we don't really sell it as a lead detox, because this, even though most people have lead in their bodies,
0: it's not at a level that's
1: medically concerning.
0: I see, huh. interesting, and the lead, from my understanding, you mentioned the vegetables growing in the ground, I'd assume they absorb lead from around them?
1: It's in and the soil. Around?
0: Yeah, okay. Interesting. Um, I know I know you gotta run very very soon here, so we'll just skip towards the end. Um, If there's anything you'd like to touch upon, um, feel free. But I mean, one of the questions that I ask after each interview is a favorite book and a favorite podcast that either has inspired you or that you listen to, that you like. Um, Yeah. Well, I do enjoy reading. Um, I read a variety of things, from
1: from scripture through to bestseller like best-selling fiction to uh, biographies, business books, and so forth. Um, but for the purposes of our discussion, some books that I would definitely recommend or some authors that I recommend include Clayton Christensen. He wrote The Innovator's Dilemma that some, some people may have heard of. But he also wrote a book, which I think is a really important book, How Will You Measure Your Life? It's a fabulous book where he's taken uh, what he's learned in business or business Things in business, and applied them to at a personal level. It's a really interesting read. Like he talks about at his Harvard reunions, um, how there are fewer and fewer people, uh, sort of as the reunions go on, and in part because people are getting really screwed up. And why are they getting screwed up? Because they're measuring the wrong things in their life. They're defining success the wrong way. I see. So. It's a really interesting book. How will you measure your life? And basically, how will you measure success for yourself?
0: Because success to every single person is different. It's
1: different. And don't measure just based on, well, this job pays X thousand and that job pays X hundred. Like, Don't worry about that. Find find what's right for you. Um, And you're more likely to be happy. And also understand what your values are and stick to your values. Um, don't compromise those so a really really good book uh, Peter Drucker uh, fantastic writer he's also passed away uh, his book The Effective Executive written in I think 63 or 64 or um, around that time every page has wisdom it was written for a different era so it was like when just men were in business so there's some references there that are kind of odd for today's language but it's so good on on things from decision-making to hiring to uh, time management and so forth. All those lessons are not only completely relevant today, but I don't know anybody who's written better than them since, mm. since him on those. Really, really good stuff. Um, Patrick Lencioni, The Motive, is a fantastic book. It's written as an allegory, like a story, uh, and it's looking at... Uh, at the motive of somebody who's aspiring to to go higher in his or her organi- organization, and then there's a commentary that follows it, um, but it really helps address some questions like what's important to me. Um, and really, really good book, and it's a fairly small book. You could, most people could read you know read it in a weekend without losing the whole weekend. Yeah. Um, Uh, So, Patrick Lencioni is really good. Also, his book, The Advantage, is really good for people who are thinking about going into business. Uh, um, So, Patrick Lencioni, uh, The Motive and The Advantage, and he's written some other books, too, that are good. Uh, David Brooks, who's a New York Times columnist, uh, wrote a book called The Road to Character, where he talks about eulogy values versus resume values. And the resume values would be kind of like, oh, I came first in class, or you know, whatever, I did this, I did this, I did this. Eulogy values are more about who you are as a human being. Right. And when you look at the, like if you pick up a weekend newspaper and go to the obits, and it's actually kind of interesting reading to think about. And you read some obits of people who unfortunately died early, but you also see some obituaries of people who lived long lives. And what do they write about them? They didn't write whether they came first in class, whether they were typically ceo of this or did that the commentaries the the write-up is about their character who they were as a human being and so david brooks wants to encourage people uh, in his book the road to character to think about those eulogy values as opposed to resume values if Mm -hmm. that makes if that makes sense so i like that um yeah it's it's part of like Simple note. let's say it's Friday evening, there's a group, you're with a group of people, and the group says, oh, let's do this. And you're kind of queasy about it in your heart, you know, and you're saying, I don't know. Don't do something because that's what the group is doing. Uh, Make the, when you have a choice of pathways, make the right choice for you, even if there's a social cost, even if there's an economic cost, make the right decision for yourself. Mm -hmm. and have the confidence to do it. You don't need to be popular. Uh, I was at a seminar uh, once on parenting, and the person said, of course we want our kids to be popular. I couldn't care less if my sons were popular. I'm more concerned about who they are as a human being, what they stand for. Are they prepared to stand up for somebody who's been marginalized? Right. Are they good people? And sometimes... That means you're not going to be popular when you stand up to do the right thing. But that's more important than being popular.
0: Yeah, and that's that's what like the book talks about, right? Where you yeah. have the resume and then you have just your personal good. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: you know, there's some things that I would encourage for people. Um, to be curious, doesn't mean you have to agree with everything else, doesn't mean you, that, but just be curious. When you, see, when you hear different perspectives, why? Uh, just because someone has a different opinion than you doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad person. Maybe they are, but maybe they aren't. Be curious, where, why is it that they think that way? Uh, um, don't immediately rush to judge. Um, and you might find that you listen to them and you go, okay, don't agree with you,
0: but I'm not going to hate you for that, you know, that kind of thing. Um, um. And that's, sorry, and that's, that's what I think we're kind of missing in this world we're in now, where everything is, oh, you think that guy should be president? I don't like you. I'm not going to talk to you. It's or you so think sad. that is that? I don't like you. I'm not going to talk to you. Like before, 50 years ago, I guarantee you, um, for example, like in the U.S., uh, you had friends that were Republicans. You had friends that were Democrats. You had stuff that divided you, but you did not care. Nowadays, it has become such like personal to us that we won't speak to the other side. We won't mention them. We won't be friends with them. Even if they're good people on the inside, you just wouldn't take like get out of your comfort zone to meet them and talk to them because they're in the wrong.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's really sad. I think one of the challenges is that since with new- the decline in newspaper readership is people are getting more bifurricated uh, information. And it gets filtered. And someone says, oh, I'm going to block that person. I hate their opinions. Hang on a sec. Where's the curiosity? Yeah. How are you going to learn if you're blocking different opinions? So it doesn't mean you have to engage with them. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them. But if someone follows me on Twitter, you'll see some accounts that I follow that are going to be people I don't agree with. Most definitely. But I'm kind of curious. Like, why do you think that way? um because i can grow as a person if i engage in different perspectives i am not going to grow as a person if i don't engage in different perspectives
0: yeah yeah we're not going to get anywhere if if all we do is you know sit in our little in our little bubble and not take in other perspectives and other information because even if it doesn't change your perspective you will understand more about their topic and why they think that way
1: yeah and there are good people of different stripes like even politically Um, I think our current federal government, for the most part, is doing a pretty bad job. But it doesn't mean there aren't some good people within their ranks. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't mean that I necessarily need to like the other parties, although there's some good people and some not so good people in those other parties as well. So um, be curious. That's really important. And be engaged. Um, actually, read a newspaper. Get a physical newspaper because you're more likely to read the different articles and different perspectives. Like I would like the National Post for that because they sometimes have radically different perspectives in the newspaper. The Globe and Mail tends to be more closer aligned to, we'll just say, from warm to cool, as opposed from cold to hot. Um, but uh, yeah, just just engage, learn from different perspectives and grow as a human being. Um, yeah. um, and I know we're, we're, we're kind of short on time here, but uh, it's to actively be kind and compassionate. Some days we don't wake up feeling like we want to be kind and compassionate maybe. So that's why I use the word actively because it's a verb. Like you got to focus on trying to be kind and compassionate. Um, mm-hmm. Be an angel in someone's life today. You can make a difference. You can make a positive difference, um, and um, and sometimes you meet angels, and it's it's fantastic. I was in a restaurant in the UK for one of my son's um, friend's birthdays, and I could tell that server was an angel. You know, an older lady. It turned out she was um, from Brazil, in Cambridge, doing two different jobs so she could put her child her through her daughter through university and you could just so i gave her a ridiculously good tip in cash not for the restaurant but for her um, because she was an angel Mm -hmm. and there are angels in our midst all the time and so um and to choose the right path for yourself uh not or at least a good path for your conscience because sometimes we don't know what the right path is um and that's okay and, um, and um, another thing this is really like radical but if some if you think there might be a god it's worth investigating um, and that doesn't mean that creativity and evolution are mutually exclusive because even the most avid atheists will acknowledge they can't they don't know how the ball got started the evolutionary ball got started, so um, yeah, I think that's important. And if 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 there is a God, if it's true, it's got to be the most important thing. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I can't tell someone else what to believe; they need to go and discover that for themselves. But uh, um, yeah, I think that's important. And I happen to believe that we're since. I happen to believe in a God, that we are created, yes, there's evolutionary forces at play, but that means that whether you're Elon Musk, the prime minister, the president, or that person who's wondering where they're going to sleep at night, they're equally loved by a creator, and that everybody is important. Everybody listening to this podcast is important, because they're loved by a creator, and that's truly amazing in my opinion.
0: Statistically, a person who believes in a higher power has, just statistically speaking, um, is, how should I say this? Well, they're, they're happier. Exactly, yeah, happier. The,
1: they live longer, and so even if you're looking at it, even if, even if, even if uh, a god is a fiction, from an evolutionary point of view, believing in God is evolutionarily positive. um, And there's, there are philosophers who can make that argument really, really well, but because they're happier, they live longer, and on average, obviously there are exceptions, um, but uh, if that, that almost points to that there could be a creator because we're evolutionarily inclined to believe in a God. Cultures from around the world.
0: Well, uh, I, 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 I know we're a bit over time. I know you said you've got you've got something soon so uh, we'll quickly wrap up here. just want to say thank you for, uh, for coming on, sharing your wisdom and uh, thank you for sharing all about uh, Sierra Sill and how, it's, how this company is helping others in achieving what they want to achieve
1: thank you and if somebody has some follow-up questions for me or they want to engage with me if they want to um follow me on x I'm, I don't have any secret accounts i think i'm mp bentley or michael bentley and um and just follow me Ask to follow back, I can. They can message me, we can share phone numbers,
0: and happy to talk with any of your listeners. Yeah, that would be awesome. Well, thank you, Michael, for coming on. It's, it's, It's truly been a pleasure. Well, thank you for doing this. Yeah.